Hello, I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to the newest episode of the Simple Flying Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Asayas Waldmariam, Acting Chief Commercial Officer at Ethiopian Airlines. Asayas joined Ethiopian in July 91 as a transit agent in the marketing division. He's been serving in various managerial positions over the years, moving up to Vice President of Ethiopian Cargo and Logistics to head all the cargo operations in 2010. Since 2013, he has been serving as Managing Director for Ethiopian International Services, and right now, he's serving Ethiopian as Acting Chief Commercial Officer. Asayas, Enkwan Denemata, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, well stay. thank you. So I wanted to start today by talking about the issue that's on everybody's mind right now, which is, of course, the coronavirus pandemic. Early on in the pandemic, Ethiopian made the move from passenger to cargo. And I believe you had a fleet of 10 777 freighters and two 737s. But I understand you've also converted around 25 additional planes to add more capacity. Can you give us a bit of information on what the conversion involved and whether you plan to convert any more? And really, when do you see these planes returning to passenger service? Uh, well, you know, the, the conversion of passenger service uh, the, into freighters, which we call praetor, uh, yes. why it was necessitated was that it, uh, it was because, uh, you know, the, the personal protective equipment and medicines and supplies in connection with COVID-19 were highly in demand. And many of uh, the, the passenger airlines, wide body, ultra wide body, ultra uh, long range aircraft were all grounded because uh, airspaces have been closed and flying uh, of passengers has stopped. So it was a combination of uh, lack of belly hold capacities, which constituted 45% of the total cargo conveyance on the planet. When that was reduced and when the need for conveyance of PPE was surging, then we had to embark uh, because necessity was pushing into converting these uh, 25 aircrafts plus the ones that we have, uh, 12 of them. Yes. So uh, about uh, this, 37 of them uh, were serving that. And wow. the conversion was uh, uh, constituting like removing passenger seats and using both above and below the wing, the capacity of the aircraft for cargo purposes. Wow, so a proper conversion. And have you, you've still got your 777s in that converted state at the moment. Do you see them coming back into passenger service anytime soon? Yes, uh, there were uh, a few of them, which we are now partly uh, converting them back to passenger because more and more airspaces and countries are opening their NOTAM for passenger arrival. And uh, second of all, our hub and spoke uh, network is getting more and more dense. So we are bringing part of them back to the uh, passenger service. That's really good news. I'm glad to hear that you're seeing some sort of ramp up in capacity and, and demand. That's what we're all looking for, really, isn't it? So as well as shifting cargo, I've seen you've been very busy with repatriation flights. Um, I believe it was just last week that you operated a repatriation flight from Ghana to, uh, to Ghana from the US. Those must be really challenging services to organize and manage. Can you tell us a bit about what's involved? 
Yeah, you know, this repatriation services, number one, it is not like the planned scheduled flights, origin, destination, timing, connection time, minimum connecting time, and all these things. It is all irregular operation. So it is like operational intensity, supervision intensive. So it is hands-on. So yes. it requires a lot of coordination. Even sometimes we operate for uh, passenger repatriation from offline cities and to offline cities. So there are airports which we are not used to flying in the past within our scheduled network of 127 uh, destinations. So it is quite an irregular operation. It's quite a circus, but that's part of the challenge, which <laughs> uh, makes it uh, more uh, adventurous. Absolutely, absolutely. And why do you think Ethiopia's been such a popular choice? Because you've been doing far more repatriation flights than, well, an awful lot of other carriers. Is it something to do with your amazing hygiene and, and uh, passengers' health standards? Yeah, it is, it's a function of a lot of things. Number one is our agility. Because Ethiopian Airlines, even in the past, it's not just an airline, it's a complete aviator. We have a lot of strategic business units like ground handling, catering, repairment transit overhaul, uh, aviation academy, full cargo, full uh, international passenger network, and also regional express, uh, and also airport company. So when one line of business is failing, we are, it is easy for us to switch to the other because by strategy, we have been well situated with diversified business model. So when this repatriation emerges, you know, the, the, the early bird is catching the fat worm. So <laughs> I the love fact that, that we have been, yeah, the fact that we have been responding quickly and we have also competitive prices. We have a high standard of uh, uh, hygiene and protection, which is stipulated by CDC and World Health. So all this put together has made us uh, a better choice. That's really good. That's really good news. Uh, so I know you guys said last week you'd be starting to ramp up capacity on your domestic routes. Are you seeing more demand domestically? And, and can you give us a bit of colour on what sort of load factors you're seeing? And in general, how are your passengers feeling about getting back onto planes? Yeah, you know, domestically, Ethiopia is a, a country of um, uh, more than 110 million uh, uh, people, and that's the second uh, um, most populous country in Africa, second to Nigeria. In fact, it's also the, the, the second largest black humanity on the planet, so to wow. speak. So because of that, uh, we have a, a dense network of uh, domestic operations. We have like 24 uh, domestic uh, network. And this is uh, by far the largest in Africa because when we see large uh, aviation markets like Nigeria and South Africa, the, uh, the, the, the two uh, biggest economies on the, on, the, on the continent of Africa, they do not have this uh, much domestic network like uh, Ethiopia, because Ethiopia, you know, geographically, its topography is terrain and all this. So we have been, uh, we have started aviation since 1945. I mean, for the last 75 years, we have been in air. So we are one of the most seniors uh, on the continent. Yes. So uh, because of that uh, aviation capability and moving the, 
the second largest uh, population on the continent from place to place within uh, about nine to ten different regions on the country. So the need is highly pronounced uh, to reconnect businesses, economies, universities, which have been scattered uh, uh, all over the country and the federal establishments and uh, regional governments and uh, local traders of coffee, honey, butter, all kinds yes. of things, you know? Yeah. So, uh, you know, because of the, 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 the lockdown situation, people have been eager to start revamping the economy. So uh, whenever the demand was uh, coming, we equally put our, uh, the, the, the agility that we are known for uh, to increase the, the, the domestic network to reconnect people and goods. That's really good. And, uh, you know, I think it's positive that people have got this pent up demand and really do want to get back to flying and moving around. So that's really positive. I know certainly um, everywhere else, I mean, I'm more familiar with the European market and we're absolutely finding international is a lot more challenging than, um, you know, regional and domestic networks. So before the pandemic, you guys ran a network of, I think it was about 129 destinations in 75 countries. Can you talk us through how does that look now? How how is your network rebuilding, and um, you know how how is the sort of traffic ramping up internationally? You know, both passenger and cargo combined, we are uh, resuming about forty percent of our uh, uh, operation pre-COVID. That's really good. Uh, that that may not as well be with dense passenger load factor, but much rather, uh, you know, the bailey hold capacity being uh, uh, put into a very good use uh, for conveyance of cargo and whatever number of passengers we uh, have uh, above the wing. So the combined economics would be still palatable for us to push densening our hub and spoke and our network. So uh, right now we are uh, trying to do that. And many of the airspace are still closed and for those places which are still closed we are flying into them not for passenger purpose but for cargo we are still flying whenever there is a cargo demand but when uh, the passenger flights are getting uh, opened for example in the eastern african region some of the western african regions are now opening up europe has uh, always been there, but we you know the selected criteria of passengers and uh, yeah, you know, the, <laughs> it's the, tricky, the, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, a lot of things, and also Asia, like Japan, Korea, China, and the rest of them. So everything put together, we are still keeping busy. That's really good. Good news. And financially, is it survivable? Are, are you guys going to be looking for a bailout or some sort of uh, support, or do you think you're capable of getting through this on on your own merits? Uh, you know, bailout, uh, m- many of the European and American carriers uh, have got, uh, you know, a very rich Uncle Sam, which is supplying them uh, the, the required <laughs> yeah. uh, fund. But for us, you know, we do not have that kind of a luxury. So we have to run for our own life. You know, so far we have not uh, done any of that sort because we did with cargo, with repatriation flight and with whatever uh, reopening of the passenger flights, we are as uh, uh, making uh, in the Smith and getting by by paying all our uh, overhead uh, costs and fixed costs and uh, all the commitments. Uh, we have not been uh, defaulting any any uh, any uh, pay so far. Good, that's uh, great. Uh, but for for the future, uh, it all depends on 
recovery of uh, uh, the COVID pandemic, either yes. fast recovery or slow recovery. Yes. And also even after the recovery of the pandemic, the recovery of the economy again, yes, yes. whether it is uh, U recovery or V recovery. So the future is uh, difficult to predict. If we are able to predict the future, we would have been the richest on the planet. Oh, of so, course. <laughs> but we are working hard and smart and uh, we are trying all our best to use uh, the, the opportunity and putting agility with our diversified uh, business model. So we are very much hopeful and optimistic for uh, what the future brings, uh, but it is uh, very hard to predict what the future brings. So we'll see it together. Yeah, we'll have to uh, dust off our crystal balls and see what we can see. I mean, in yes. your opinion, what do you think is the answer? Is it a vaccine? Is it more testing at the airports? Is it some sort of immunity passport? What do you think is going to unlock travel for, for airlines such as yours? Well, you know, humanity is not uh, wired to be locked down. <laughs> we are as mobile as we are. Even before air travel has started, humanity has been immigrating from continent to continent yeah. using whatever means. So we are unstoppable as, as humanity on the planet. So the thing is that whether the virus is going to stay with us for long. It will be the new normal. So with uh, uh, the, the health and safety measures, it, it, uh, it's going to continue and humanity is going to, to move from one place to another. Let's look at 9-11, uh, for example, in the past. You know, yeah, After yeah. that, security, ground security has been so cumbersome, but flying has not stopped. But that has started... Uh, living with us, you know, with uh, additional expenses, additional security measures, then that became the new normal. So even if the virus is going to continue staying with us, with a new normal, flying is going to recommence anyway. And if we are lucky enough that all the, 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 the vaccination initiatives which are being tried in different parts of the world are working, then that's going to be a good news for us to 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 bring uh, flying to uh, we to we, we blow it out of proportion to the to a new height. Yeah. So, yeah. but whichever is going to hold, we are going to see it again together. That's great. I, I love your positive attitude. I think uh, I think you're absolutely right about people and uh, our need to travel. Um, so without dwelling too much on the coronavirus situation, let's turn our attention to your future. And what I'd like to talk about first is your fleet. So you've been a, a big Boeing customer for many years and you were one of the first to take a Dreamliner back, I think it was about eight years ago. And you've now got 26, which uh, it's your long haul work course alongside your 777 and your 767. Um, but they also operate alongside your first Airbus, which is the A350-900. I understand you have 14 and are expecting another two. What do you think about the Airbus? How does it compare to the, the Boeing wide bodies that you've historically operated? Uh, you know, uh, as you said, we have been typically Boeing customers, but uh, of recent we have diversified. And when we take the Dreamliner, um, about a decade ago, we have been the second on the planet. The first was Japan as a nation, and the second was Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. Okay, That's and cool. for Africa, we have uh, been the first to introduce that technology, and many other successive technologies even in the past. So Boeing has even given us a plaque uh, which uh, was inscribed with uh, "Always First." 
Oh, okay. brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So the thing is that Airbus has come into our fleet, you know, our part, training, maintenance simulator, and everything has now been, uh, you know, diversified, which is also good. As a newcomer, it has embedded so many of the advantages of, uh, so to speak, a Boeing 787 uh, Dreamliner. So it is a good product. We are very much confident about it, and uh, we are happy about it, and our customers also like it. Awesome. That's really good. And do you think, you know, considering that everybody's predicting international travel will take a bit longer to pick back up than regional and domestic, are you going to push back the deliveries of um, additional wide bodies as a result or are you planning to stick to your schedule? Well, some kind of adjustment is inevitable. It is uh, it is uh, compulsory, uh, depending on, again, with the fast or slow recovery. Yeah. Then definitely we are considering that uh, being uh, very much prudent because otherwise, you know, the fixed cost is going to eat us alive. So we yes. have to be very careful about that. So definitely. we are considering some of the things depending on the recovery of the traffic. Great. I understand. Absolutely. And in terms of your future fleet, has the current situation changed your outlook? Um, I know you don't have a lot of older aircraft in your fleet. You operate quite a young fleet, but I think some of the 767s and a handful of the 737s are some of the oldest. Are they going to be maybe not coming back to the fleet as a result of the crisis? We are in the process of uh, phasing out uh, the the seven six seven dash three hundreds. Yeah. So they are they are uh, in a schedule for uh, phasing out, but because we also have you know uh, like. Uh, short-term charters and other things for which uh, the, those aircrafts are uh, good for the mission. Okay. We have been keeping them for t- some time, but depending on slow recovery where we have a lot of aircrafts at hand, then we might be retiring them sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about the narrow body fleet, I mentioned the 737s, but we have to address the elephant in the room, which is, of course, the 737 MAX. Um, you know, it's it's been over a year and recertification is taking some time, which is probably a good thing. But what's your general feeling about that aircraft? Will you be pleased to see it back in action? And are you are you going to be operating it again yourselves? Yeah, uh, all what I can tell you about MAX is that Ethiopian Airlines wants to be the last airline to start it after everybody has, uh, you know, tried it. After it is tried, (laughs) tested and trusted, we will be the last one to start flying it because we really value the, you know, the, the, the life of our customers and uh, because we have also been traumatized with what uh, has already happened. So we would be the last one to start flying it. I'm not at all surprised you said that, actually, SAS. And would you think you'll be maintaining the outstanding order with Boeing for more of that type? Or are you looking elsewhere for your future narrowbody fleet now? Well, depending on it as a, a positive uh, uh, comeback, uh, definitely after it has been, uh, everybody has been assured, then we uh, uh, will be taking it. Otherwise, we will also look for uh, equivalent narrow body regional uh, things like uh, uh, the Airbus uh, 220 and others, you know. Oh. <laughs> so we'll also explore that possibility. Yes. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. You know, it's uh, the A220. I think, you know, it's widely seen as a really positive aircraft for the, the kind of post-COVID aviation world. You know, it goes for miles and it 
runs on fumes and it's super comfortable from a passenger's perspective. So do you think it holds a place in the future Ethiopian fleet? Uh, you know, with or without Max, diversifying our fleets is in our strategy. So depending on the pros and cons, definitely this uh, A220 is uh, an aircraft that we would consider. Oh, that would be so exciting. And I think I wrote a piece a long time ago now about how good it could be for Africa, you know, with the kind of hot and high airports and shorter runways, it could open up all sorts of new exciting routes. So I'm glad to hear that that's uh, possibly in your plans in the future. Um, the other kind of newer aircraft I wanted to get your take on is, uh, of course, the 777X from Boeing, which is going to become the biggest passenger aircraft in production now that the A380 is ending. So what do you think about the 777X and do you think that's got a place in your future fleet? Well, uh, this is definitely a new technology, you know, good cabin architectures, modern ones and more capacity, newer technology and uh, larger windows and all this. You know, as, as a newcomer, it always has a latecomer advantage. So it is something that we can definitely consider. Of course, based on the healthy uh, growth and op optimistic future of uh, the entire uh, you know, passenger uh, yeah. tra traffic uh, revamping, you know? Absolutely. And rebounding, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the one thing I wanted to ask um, sort of to finish off on the Ethiopian side of things, because I also want to talk about aviation in Africa kind of more broadly with you. Um, but uh, in terms of Ethiopian, you guys were going to build a, an airport just south of Addis that I believe was going to require a $5 billion investment. Is that still something that you think is going to happen? Uh, definitely, because Ethiopia is uh, one of the fast growing economies on the continent. Yeah. And also the population is growing, demand is growing, and it's also within our uh, long term uh, horizon uh, strategy vision 2035, which is 15 year strategy from now on. So definitely we are going to go for that. Excellent. Oh, that's good news. Really positive stuff. So. Just uh, before we finish, I really wanted to talk to you about aviation in Africa in general. I mean, you've been in this industry for the longest time. And so you must know, um, you must have a very good understanding of, of how aviation in Africa is generally evolving. Um, so <laughs> obviously, it was pegged to be one of the biggest growth markets over the next few decades. But do you think COVID has changed that or do you still see aviation just soaring in the continent no post-covid aviation in africa has a very bright future for so many reasons number one even pre-covid africa was so much unsaturated when it comes to the uh, air traffic uh, services yes. because Africa was contributing only 3% of the global aviation uh, passenger uh, traffic volume. That's number one. So it was very unsaturated. It's emerging. That's number one. Number two, Africa has been trading uh, even with a normal uh, economic transaction. Africa has been trading 90% with overseas and 10% with each other. But now wow. with uh, this, uh, the African Continental Free Trade Agreement of the African Union Initiative, the Single African uh, Air Transport Management, all these initiatives are helping Africa-Africa integration. So, you know, the, the, the continent has uh, more than 1 billion people, fast-growing economies, young population, 
and uh, you know aviation and travel uh, and tourism and import export also fuels you know uh, the economic progress uh, for the continent you know employment and capital yeah. will sink on the soil of the continent so because it is unsaturated and when you see the total uh, traffic africa world and world africa more than 80% close to 80% is uplifted by non african uh, uh, airlines it's yeah. only 20% which was left for african airlines of which about 50% is that of ethiopian airline so it is so unsaturated so the future the post covid future uh, aviation uh, uh, in africa is very bright and uh, on the on the growth side of it because it is so unsaturated and there are so many economic indices which are pushing it upward absolutely and i guess you'd welcome the competition really um if it was from an african homegrown airline rather than all the the middle east airlines and what have you coming in and taking the traffic so we hope to see uh, some stronger airlines emerging and you know one of the ongoing stories in african aviation is without a doubt the, the saga of south african airways um so it seems it's been unable to turn a profit and it's been in administration since december and of course with covid as well there hasn't been a commercial passenger service since March. Um, so we know that now it's going to be in discussions with uh, with buyers to become a private airline. What do you think is uh, needs to be fixed at South African Airways? What should they be doing? Well, you know, South Africa is an interesting place to be. First of all, it is the largest economy on the planet on the on the continent of Africa. That's number one. And number two, it is a big import-export economy. Yeah. And it's also one of the highest tourist arrival places uh, pre-COVID. And post-COVID, it will continue to be uh, similar. And that being the case, it is a real destination. And South Africa uh, Airways has been such a very quality service airline. And it's sad to see it, uh, you know, uh, being challenged this way. So yeah. the best thing to do is, you know, it all depends on the on the investors and the government so if uh, they put uh, the required money uh, uh, to revamp it yeah. and then to 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 uh, allow it being run with um, a complete administrative autonomy within uh, the industry without any interference from the government and all the the destination itself is also selling so uh, yes. if they do this uh, it is definitely going to come back Amazing. And uh, there have been rumors that you guys were one of the buyers. <laughs> Is uh, Ethiopian interested in buying South African Airways? Well, people are saying that uh, all kinds of things about South Africa, Airways, Air Mauritius, <laughs> Air Madagascar and oh, others. Yes. The fact of the matter is that we are capable and we are desirous. The only thing is that because it's also Africa, Africa uh, cooperation is always good. And also, yeah. as I said, for Satem and uh, for uh, African uh, the, the, the Continental Free Trade Agreement and Single African Skies, so it's in line with that. So, if there is a vacancy appearing, then definitely will be part of it. Okay, so that's not a no, then. <laughs> no, it's not a no. Okay. <laughs> so um, the other airline I wanted to ask you about was um, we've had our eye on what's going on over in Rwanda. So obviously, uh, Qatar Airways bought 60% of the new airport, and then they bought just less than half of Rwanda. Um, does this worry you? Do you think there'll be some serious competition emerging from your south? 
Well, competition is a fact of life. And in our long-term strategy, we are also uh, anticipating and embedding challenging competitions in between. So competition is always there for us to contend with. So uh, uh, however many we are and however stiff the competition is, it is uh, uh, what is expected of us is to be off the, uh, up to the task both for the, the strategic uh, the, the direction in the competition, as well as a very good customer service, then it will be uh, decided by the customers to choose which airline to take uh, to choose upon the other. Definitely, definitely. And uh, you come with uh, bucket loads of experience. So I think uh, sometimes there's no replacement for that. Um, just to finish off today, then, what are your hopes for the future of African aviation? You know, what, what would you like to see happening in the next 10, 15, 20 years within Africa? Well, uh, what would like to see uh, the, in the African aviation is not also far from the reality because it is so unsaturated, so emerging. So what we'd like to see is Africa being well integrated with each other and contributing dominantly to the global aviation. Yes. Because Africa also has nature, culture, history, wildlife, and it's a very good place to be for uh, the, the, the people from all over the world to visit yes. by way of tourism and other things. So what I would like to see for Africa, is uh, for African aviation growing, enabling African youths to have good employment and capital uh, flight uh, being protected and uh, Africa transacting with each other with import export. We have, we are so big a market for each other. Yes. That, uh, that, that there is a lot of possibility which we have not yet explored, but uh, you know the African Union and individual countries and regions are now having bilateral and multilateral, and they are moving that way. So it's our hope, and also also our prediction that the uh, the aviation for Africa has the, a bright future, and the best is yet to come. Excellent. Oh, that's really, really good. I do believe that you're completely right there. The best is yet to come. SAS, it's been wonderful talking to you. Did I say that right? Oh, thank you, Joanna. How many Amharic words do you know? And I like your Amharic. <laughs> that's about my limit, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. No, you come and visit and we'll teach you a lot of Amharic. No problem. Oh, yes, please. I'd love to. Okay. Absolutely. You are most Absolutely. welcome. Okay. Well, okay. I think, okay, Joanna. Pleasure talking to you and USAS thank you very much that's it for today's podcast we hope you enjoyed it and welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com for more great content you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying if you enjoyed our podcast please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player thanks for listening